0: of Sermons by Pastor Charles St. Ange, LCMS Missionary in Montreal, Quebec, and the Caribbean. Grace, mercy, peace be with you from God our Father, and our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Today marks the 18th time As an ordained pastor, that I have led the Palm and Passion Sunday service at a church, whether it was my first church in Philadelphia or in Houston or now here in Montreal. And so you would think that after having led this service for 18 years and having participated in it for several decades before that, I would know the story by heart. But I have to admit to you that this was the very first time looking at the passion according to the gospel of Mark that I made an astonishing revelation that Pilate according to Mark's gospel only ever asks questions. The very same questions that each and every one of you read out this morning. Did you notice that that each and every time Pilate opens his mouth, it's to try and figure something out. Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? Pilate asked him again, have you no answer to make? Pilate addresses the crowds, do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? And again, then what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? And the final, the most poignant and hard-hitting question, why, what evil has he done? Pilate, just asking questions. Because you see, according to Mark's narrative, Pilate is not a source of truth. He is at best a seeker after the truth, or maybe even at worst an agnostic to the entire truth business altogether. After all, this is the man that according to John's gospel responds to Jesus after a period of questioning, what is truth? This is Holy Week. As I said, this is the centerpiece of our Christian life, the week that we set aside to follow in the footsteps of our Lord as he enters into the Holy City, celebrates the Last Supper with his disciples, is betrayed into the hands of the council and the governor, and finally crucified, and of course a week from today we celebrate the fact that he rose from the dead. And that makes Holy Week a great time to ask and reflect on the really great questions that we have. The big questions that we're often so busy running around, doing our errands and chores and work and looking after family and friends, we just don't have the time to sit back and ask. Why am I here? What is life all about? What is the purpose of the world? Why are there a human race? And yes, What is truth? Every one of the world's religions and philosophies exists to try and answer those questions. Because those questions shape our actions and our words with each other. They shape our whole societies and they shape our future. From the simple, what should I have for lunch? to what should I say to my daughter? to who should I marry, to should I change jobs, to who should I vote for, to should I report that on my taxes, to should I volunteer to fight if our nation goes to war. Our worldview, what we think about all of those super big questions, shapes what we're going to do when we're confronted with the little ones. But for most people, and you probably know many of these people because we live in Montreal, a very secular 21st century city, the answer to the question, what is life really all about, is simply, huh, I don't know, whatever. And so, huh, I don't know, whatever is what informs people's answers to all those other little questions I just asked. Now, under normal conditions, that's okay. Life goes on. We decide that we're going to have a hamburger for lunch instead of ordering a pizza. We decide that we're going to get married instead of not get married. We decide we're going to apply for a new job. Life goes on, even in a society where the majority of people are wandering around going, eh, life just is whatever. The problem is when stresses come when things start to fall apart individually to us and then collectively as a group of people, when that starts to happen in a society where the average person is walking around with, huh, as the answer to what is life all about, that's when everything really starts to come off the rails. And we start to see things not hold together. That's what happens when people don't take any time, A, to ask the right questions, and B, to think about what the answer might be. And so we go back to Pilate, poor old Pontius Pilate, who asks his first question, are you the king of the Jews? Because everyone else seems to think that you are, and they don't like it. It's bothering them, so much so that I'm being dragged out here to have this trial bright and early, on a Friday morning. But all Jesus answers is, you have said so. Those are your words. It's what you have to say in answer to the question. And why does Jesus say that? Because it's the wrong question. It's not the right one. So what if Jesus is the king of the Jews? So what if Jesus says, Pilate, yes, absolutely, that's who I am. All that does is give Pilate Super easy way out. All right, so he's a rebel, rebel against Rome. There only is one king, and he's the emperor. We know what to do with rebels. We crucify them, hands washed, move on with the day. Pilate also asks why Jesus won't defend himself. Won't you say something in defense of everything that's going on around you, this, this storm that you've created in Jerusalem? This uprising that you've created amongst the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the chief priests and the scribes such that here during the great high holy day of the Jewish year, they want to involve Rome in a trial? Why won't Jesus defend himself? So what you and I would do. Our boss comes to us and says, what exactly did you think you were trying to do in this report? Our gut reaction is to defend it. I worked super hard on that. I I was up all night. I put all sorts of effort into this. We defend ourselves, and yet Jesus won't do it. And again, the reason why is that it's the wrong question. After all, what is Jesus going to say to the Roman procurator that could possibly make a difference? Jesus knows the answer to that question is nothing. And so he keeps his mouth shut. So finally, Pilate gets to the right question. Why do you want to crucify him? What what has he done that would elevate him to the level of capital punishment? Now we're getting somewhere, right? Now we're really starting to get to the heart of the matter. What is going on in this man, Jesus of Nazareth? The problem is the pilot's asking the wrong people. He's asking the crowds. He's asking people like you and me. Nice, ordinary, good people like you and me who lie, who lie to others, who even lie to ourselves about how good and ordinary, and nice we are. The big question is this. If we are so good, and ordinary, and nice, dear brothers and sisters, we human beings who really just want things to turn out for the best, why was Jesus hanging on that cross? How did that happen? John chapter 10, Jesus is once again dealing with the anger of the religious authorities that over the course of the Gospels keeps mounting and mounting and mounting, as we'll see this week as we follow along and see the arc of this narrative that takes Jesus to a cross. And finally, Jesus turns to them and says, I have shown you many good works from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? That's the heart of the matter, you see? And it's the answer to Pilate's question, why? What evil has he done? The evil that he's done is that he's made us all look bad. He's threatened our very easy and convenient life. He's accused us of being false shepherds and false sheep and misleading the people. He's healed the sick. He's cast out demons. He's raised the dead. He's preached good news to the poor, and he's forgiven sins. And for all of that, he has to die. To die so that we, you and I, who spend most of our life never asking the right questions, can finally get the right answer from God. And the right question is, what must we do to inherit eternal life? What can we do that death might be defeated once and for all? The answer is suffer cruel abandonment, be tortured, spit upon, belittled, mocked, nailed to crosses of wood at wrist and ankle, and left to die. Or the answer is put all your chips, all your trust, all your faith in the one to whom those things were done, that you might have his life in you? That's the big question. And the big answer, as any Sunday school student would know, is always Jesus. And not any Jesus, but the Jesus precisely who is crucified for us. This Holy Week, we will be following a very simple theme, Monday through Saturday, and ending on Sunday. Consider the evidence. We will, if you want, be backing Pontius Pilate up in time to a week earlier, so that he can ask all those same questions, but get the answers to them. We're going to see people trying to get rid of the evidence that God is at work in Jesus tomorrow. We're going to talk about how even when God does give us abundant evidence because of sin, it's mixed, and we don't always see it. On Tuesday, on Wednesday, we're going to talk about the evidence of our discipleship. We want to say we're followers of Jesus. What are the signs? On Thursday, we're going to look for evidence of Jesus' presence continuing among us. Where do we go to find Jesus in this world? On Friday, of course, the evidence... Of God's love for us, precisely in dying for us. On Saturday night, where is the evidence that there is hope in this world? And again, on Sunday, what is the evidence that we can walk out through life asking the big questions, knowing that God is able to give us the answers? We are going to do what Pilate didn't take the time to do, ask the big questions And let Jesus answer them for us. So I hope you'll walk with us as we let Jesus give us the answers we need to help and guide us in the small questions that we face every day. But also to answer the big one. What must we do to inherit eternal life? To which the answer is, believe in the Son. Amen like to learn more, visit intheway.org. Thank you for listening, and God bless your week.